Hi, Sandy Rios with you here on Sandy Rios 24-7. Well, I'm sure most of you know that I have a book that has just been written that's coming out on February the 14th. It's called God's Velvet Hammer, How an Ordinary Girl Was Called to Do Extraordinary Things. Now, Bruce and I did a podcast about this a a week or so ago. If you want to hear me talk to him about, we kind of shared about how it all came about. And as some part of my story, uh, it's uh, a fun a fun book. It's serious, and it's uh, also fun. Because I have traveled the world. I've had some experiences. I did the first radio broadcast, uh, American radio broadcast on Radio Moscow. Uh, I was in North Korea on the infamous 9-11, uh, having no knowledge whatsoever, plane hitting the Pentagon, nothing, no, no news at all. And, of course, the whole trip was fascinating. I used to jog. I got lost in India. I got almost lost in Japan. <laughs> Those are some great stories. I used to be a singer. I, my recording of Windmills of Your Mind went up in the first space lab. I sang the national anthem for the Chicago Bears and got acquainted with Mike Ditka and a lot of the, a lot of the Chicago Bears. I tell those stories, uh, plus a lot more. I was on the radio in Chicago when John Wayne Gacy was, uh, was uh, electrocuted, and I covered that story and met uh, those that were detectives around him, the policemen that followed the case, interviewed them. I think you'll be entertained by it. That's one of the things. I, one of the best compliments I've gotten is that my big sister— uh, she's seven years older than I am, and so we didn't grow up close. She left home when I was probably 11, and we haven't had the chance to be as close as we both would have liked. Uh, but when she read the book, she loved it. And that was, I think, the highest compliment I've gotten from my own sister. Uh, so uh, God's Velvet Hammer is available. You can pre-order it on Amazon right now, but you can't actually get the book until February the 14th. So I just wanted to tell you about it. And what we're going to do today on the show is I recently, Todd Starnes interviewed me on Newsmax about the book, and we're, it's short. I just thought you might enjoy it. It'll give you a taste, a little bit more of a taste of what the book is about. And it's just kind of fun because, you know, Todd is fun. And then in the second half, we're going to be doing something completely different. I someone sent me a video of a girl on Instagram who is very emotional about having to work uh, the way she has to work, 40 hours a week. It's really uh, compelling and sad. And we're going to play that video, and then Bruce and I are going to talk about it, and we're going to ask you sort of the question, what would you say to this young girl if you were talking to her? But first, preborns. Life-saving work will continue at a greater level as they fight the abortion giants. And the biggest giant, of course, is Planned Parenthood, who received millions and millions of dollars from taxpayers like you and me. Makes no sense. And yes, you can blame the Republicans for that. But preborn doesn't get any of that kind of funding. Actually, I think that's a good thing because that allows them to do what they're called to do without any compromise. Uh, but preborn stands alone, and they do something that no one else does, and that's provide an ultrasound for a mother who's confused or even considering aborting her baby or not sure if she wants to do that or if she wants to keep it. And, of course, the ultrasound is like magic. It's, of course, not magic. It's truth. It reveals the truth of the little baby in her womb, uh, its features sometimes, its gender. It is the most beautiful Beautiful thing if you're a mom and you see that picture. I know that because it happened to me. And so these ultrasounds are $28 a piece. And uh, I know that many of you, many, many, many of you have been giving generously. And, of course, they have ongoing needs. And so if you would consider donating to Preborn, I would appreciate that so much. It helps the show. And, of course, it saves babies' lives. What, 
What better pairing could there be? You go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Well, you know that you can call us here on Sandy Reels 24-7 at 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. Or you can email us at sandy at net. You can go to sandyreels.com, our our newly revamped, ramped up uh, website, which has a place for you to join the mailing list. Also to find out about, um, you know, appearances, television and otherwise uh, that I'm going to be doing in the next several weeks and maybe for quite some time, actually, uh, through Newsmax. And also you can go to our Facebook page, Sandy Reels 24-7, and you can find us on any podcast platform. And that includes especially our home base, AFR.net. Uh, Spotify, Amazon, whatever your favorite choice is for uh, podcasts. All right, so why don't you sit back and relax and enjoy, first of all, this this really fun interview with Todd Starnes on Newsmax on Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. I want to bring into the conversation a great friend of the conservative movement, um, a wonderful Christian lady. Her name is Sandy Rios. She is the host of a great podcast called Sandy Rios 24-7. She's also director of government affairs for the American Family Association, and she has a brand new book. She's a busy person these days. Uh, The name of the book, God's Velvet Hammer, How an Ordinary Girl Was Called to Do Extraordinary Things. Sandy, good to have you with us today. Always a pleasure to be with you, Todd. You make me you make me happy, even when things are not happy. Thank you. Well, you know, you, Sandy, we, we just you really from, do. Well, you're kind to say that, and, and we just we just heard from some callers, uh, pretty aggravated right now uh, at the Republicans on uh, on Capitol Hill when it comes to the spending. But this seems to be an ongoing issue when it comes to uh, conservatives and their relationship with the Republican Party these days. Todd, the one thing that went through my mind, I was listening because I I love history, and I've been reading, uh, I love Abraham Lincoln, and I just finished another book on him, and it reminded me that during the Civil War, people have forgotten this, he had to execute a war by himself because his generals kept stabbing him in the bath, back, ignoring his instructions. It's because of generals like McClellan that the war went on and on and on, and so many hundreds of thousands of young men died. And yet... Abraham Lincoln persevered, and he finally prevailed. George Washington, same thing. Valley Forge, we haven't been through anything like that. We can be disappointed over and over again, but that means we have to dig down deep and not stop standing for what's right and fighting, just like our founders did. We can't, like, it's too hard, I'm, I'm quitting. Don't do that. Don't do that, because our we have great men who went before us to show us how to be steadfast and don't go down deep and pay the price of anxiety and worry in order to have 
a good outcome to save the country. And I think that's that's also a, a good pivot into this incredible book. And I've got my copy here. It's just absolutely wonderful. It's a, it's a it's a it's a memoir, but it's a lot more than than a memoir. I want you to explain to us what do you mean by God's velvet hammer? What a great title! What do you mean by that? Well, through my life, uh, even when I was a little girl, I seemed to always find myself in the middle of difficult situations where uh, sometimes I've felt compelled uh, to speak the truth, and it's not a happy thought. People don't want to hear it. And I did that when I was young. My neighbors used to call me preacher, which was not a compliment. Uh, And then I grew up and went to Washington and confronted the president and attorney generals and world leaders and I, I and Christian leaders. It was and never has that been fun and never has I have I wanted to do that. But one time when I got into it with James Carville on Crossfire, uh we we got into a real row and um I uh I think after that people started calling me Velvet, the Velvet Hammer because I always spoke the truth but I didn't do it in a destructive way. Oh, you know, it made plenty of people mad, but I was never after people. I was after the issue. You know, Sandy, you actually started, um, and you were incredibly uh, successful in the, in the radio industry, uh, I believe there in Chicago. Take us through that process. How do you go from being a radio host in Chicago <laughs> to being um, one of the, the top culture war voices in the entire country? How did that happen? Well, I think, of course, the simple answer I have to say as a Christian, because I have to say this because it's true, I'm God's velvet hammer. And I think, you know, God just really put me in places I could never have dreamed. I could never have succeeded. I could never have plotted or planned or had a five-year plan. And I I, uh, I stumbled into radio. It's a, actually a beautiful story. I was, I was a singer first. And I sang for years. I was a conductor. I conducted orchestras and choruses. I wrote charts. I composed. Uh, music was my life. Uh, but I was singing at a church one night when the uh, a national host for Moody Broadcasting was in the audience. And long story short, he heard me talk and asked me to come in and tell my story at that time about my severely disabled daughter. So I did that, and that began... Uh, a long relationship with Jim Warren, who was a, a drive-time host... Uh, and learning, uh, Jim was my mentor. He taught me all about radio and I hosted with him off and on because I was still singing and traveling, uh, for 10 years. Uh, and then of course, then, uh, I ended up doing a drive time show through a series of just circumstances again that I could not have orchestrated. Not that I even ever would ask for such a thing, because you and I both know how much work it is to do three day, three hours of drive time news and talk. But that's what I did, and we won awards. It was a, it was a, a we had a, we had a wonderful audience, you know. And it was Chicago is a great place to do talk radio, and I cut my teeth there, and so that's how I got into radio. Sandy, um, when you when you look at the at the state of the the, the national media these days. Um, it's as though uh, we really don't have a press that is that is striving to be fair and balanced. Uh, we have a, a press corps, a media that is now becoming a propaganda voice. How do we how do we fix this? How do we get back to what the media was supposed to be in this country? Really, Todd, I, I think the only solution, personally, unless there should be a tremendous deep transformation in this country, is to continue to speak the truth at all costs. At all costs, 
Speak it to your neighbors, your children. Don't be afraid to tell your children the truth. Don't be afraid of your children. Uh, say the hard things. You don't have to say them over and over. You don't have to nag, but say what's true and then say what's true and then say what's true. And don't stop because the truth has a power of its own. And as far as I can tell, I was in the Soviet Union uh, just before it broke up, before Boris Yeltsin was uh, being elected as president. And for 50 years plus, they had been told there was no God. There is no God. There is no God. And people who worshipped him had to hide and they were punished and jailed. So many stories about that. But what I found in the interviews that I did in Moscow uh, in 1991 was even a KGB agent, a neurologist who worked with autistic children. I'll just mention those two. They brought up to me after they made their spiel about communism that they were beginning to think that, that maybe there is a God. And each and every one of them that I interviewed, a ballerina, a, a, a professor from Moscow University, a doctor who looked like uh, Rasputin, um, they all told me they had a grandmother who had told them about God. A grandmother. And they remembered. And so I thought, I've, I've never forgotten that because I thought, you know, people never forget, even if you don't see it in your lifetime. The truth bears tremendous fruit, and it always prevails. So, I mean, Goebbels was right, that if you tell a lie often enough, people believe it. That's true. For a time. For a time. But after a while, it does not comport with reality, and then truth prevails. Cindy, let, let's talk about, about moving forward here and, and next-generation uh, Christians uh, as they're beginning to engage the culture. What advice would you have for those young people out there that are maybe looking at dipping their toe into the uh, to the public arena uh, and becoming a voice for some of these issues that I know you and I uh, care so deeply about. Well, a few things come to my mind. First of all, you cannot operate in this arena unless you, to me, personally, and be effective. You can play the game, go and play the game, but I don't. I don't really want to. I have nothing to say to those of you who want to play the game. For those of you who really have a heart for truth. And you really want to get in it because you want to do something to pull things back, to establish a plumb line, uh, to, to change the culture for your, your children, your grandchildren. Uh, then I would just say that you, as a Christian, if you're talking about Christians, you need to really, really concentrate on your relationship with God. You need to be faithful in God's word. That is the roadmap. That is the roadmap. And honestly, um, you need to prepare yourself in every way. Uh, your personal life, get things in order. Uh, honesty, uh, your sexuality, all of it. Get it, get yourself together with God's help. And then just wait for God to give you an opportunity. Because I, my book, my whole book is about complete surprises I never saw coming because God, a phone call came and said, by the way, would you like to be president of Concerned Women for America? A phone call came and said, would you like to do an afternoon radio show? This is out of the blue for me. Would you like to go to Russia for two weeks? These are calls I talk about in my book that caught me by complete surprise because God knew that I would go anywhere and do anything for him. Now, I'm speaking as a Christian, and you asked me to address Christians. I think for those a broader audience who are just um, like news talk, and they have a heart for the truth, maybe you respect God, but you don't necessarily know him personally. I would just say you're on the right path if you love truth. 
because God calls people who love truth. Those are the people he can use. Yeah. People who are bold. Um, so I think that's a long answer. Maybe there's more. No, but. it's a great answer, but it's a great answer, uh, Sandy, and we are going to have to leave it there. Uh, but it is a terrific book. Um, I'm working my way through it now, and the stories are riveting. Uh, folks, you're going to love this one. God's Velvet Hammer, written by our great friend Sandy Rios. Get yourself a copy wherever you get your books. Uh, you'll be able to get a copy of this. Um, there it is, the cover up on the screen, God's Velvet Hammer by Sandy Rios. Sandy, we've got to leave it there. Congratulations, and uh, we'll definitely get you back on the show. Thank you. Thank you. You're the best. Thanks, Todd. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy, back with you. You know, uh, actually, when it comes to life and the issue of uh, taking the life of babies in utero, uh, there is one answer, and I don't, I'm not sure it's legislative anymore, and that's you. That's you helping the work of preborn, who provide ultrasounds for moms who are not sure if they want to carry a baby to term or if they want to terminate its life. Uh, but once the mom sees that beautiful video of their tiny little baby, often you know, with features like them, or the father of the child, or the sucking thumb, or the gender, they see these things, and then they can't bring themselves to terminate. At least somewhere between 50 to 70% cannot bring themselves to do that. If you want to help, it's $28 for one ultrasound. Just go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy, and make your most generous donation. Of course, you know you can give more than $28, but that's something. 28 is something most of you I hope you can still afford that amount just for your own sake. Uh, but if you can give uh, more than that, that would be wonderful. Preborn.com slash Sandy. So everyone's wondering why Gen Z is so nihilistic. And I see stuff like, you know, these corporate CEOs who are like, no one wants to work anymore. And the kids don't, they don't have discipline and they don't have no work ethic and everyone's just lazy and everyone's just like, ah, no one's chasing things. And the reason that Gen Z thinks that life has no meaning is because life has no meaning. So if we really stop and think about it, in the past, the meaning of life or what got us through our early years was this kind of script that later on we will be happy, right? There was this sort of idea that if you sit down and you work hard for a while, eventually the good things will come. And the purpose of life is to have the good things. And so early on, when we're sort of like, when our brains are young and we're still sort of forming what life is, we would kind of go through stuff and we'd say like, okay, th this is the prize over here. There's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Let me follow the rainbow because eventually I'll be happy. Well, I thought that was such an interesting clip, and we played it a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the desperation of Gen, uh, Gen Z. Anyone remember that? Oh, we talked to a professor about the stats and about how kids are discouraged, and uh, he said they're the laziest generation. It's pretty hard on them, and we said the same thing. They don't like to work on Mondays, and they have something called quiet quitting, which means that they, they hate a job, so they don't quit. They just stop working. And the on and on, we had this conversation. Well, Recently, someone sent me a video, it was on Instagram, of a young girl who has kind of a, a different flavor of that. Uh, she's, look, you know, her face, she's right, her face is right in the camera, and she's talking about her desperation. And I want you to listen to this with Bruce and I. We're going to listen to it, and then we're going to talk about it. This is one of those days of how I wish I could open the phone lines, because I would ask you what you would say to this young girl. But Bruce and I are going to have that conversation on your behalf. And of course, you can call or email us if you have additional comments. So 
let's uh, sit back and listen to this uh, young girl who she could be your daughter. She could be your granddaughter. Let's listen. Why is it that I have to work 40 hours a week just so I can have a place to live? 40 hours a week makes me $2,000 a month and my rent is $16.60. So I work 40 hours a week so I can have a two-bedroom apartment and an extra $300 a month. Like, it doesn't cover my phone, internet, food, you know? So not only do I not have any extra money, but just working makes me so exhausted that I don't have time either. Like, I get off work at 5.30, come home, and I'm just so tired. I'm so tired that, like, anything that I need to do outside of work, I then just push off to, like, the weekend. And I'm like, I'm just too tired to do this after work. I'll wait until Saturday. So then I end up with so much to do on the weekend that ends up having to be split into two days. So I have to do stuff on both Saturday and Sunday. So then I don't get a day off. I don't get a day to relax. I don't get to decompress. So it is really like working seven days a week, constantly. And I don't want to do that anymore, right? Like, I don't care how poor and miserable I would have to be, but I literally can't have a place to live without this, you know? like. I don't know what to do. I'm not, I'm not made for this. I don't have the money, time, or energy to enjoy my life outside of work. And I don't know what to do about it anymore. You know, I'm so tired. I don't know how you feel after you hear her uh, talk and nearly in tears. Her face is so stressed. My immediate response is compassion, even though I could respond uncompassionately. And I think we do have to address some of the things that she needs to understand. Well, first of all, she talks about working 40 hours a week and how exhausting it is to her and how she has no time to do anything outside of work. She's just too tired when she gets home. And I, uh, to be, if I were her mother, I'd say, look, this is the way it is, young lady. You have to learn that when you work, you are working. You don't, you don't get to play much anymore. That's kind of the reality. When you have children, there's even less play. That's part of growing up and taking on maturity. Uh, that's part of just it is just part of growing up, uh, and it's something that your parents did. I hope uh, your grandparents did. I think of my own dad. My dad used to work seven days a week, sixteen hours a day. Seriously, uh, when he was raising us, he didn't have a college education, so he was working like crazy to provide for the family. And out of that Uber uh, work, you know, he saved money and became. Um, not rich, but he was he, he did very well. And so this is something that you have to keep in mind. You have to reach down deep and be able to work like that. And she talks then about uh, the money she gets. She gets $2,000 a month. Her rent is sixteen sixty, and that's for a two-bedroom apartment. And I would say one last thing about that before I pitch it to Bruce, who's uh, going to join me here. Um, I know it's hard to believe if she, if I were talking to her, but I, when I was a girl, uh, a young woman, I should say, uh, 
we just didn't have a two-bedroom apartment. I remember our first home was a was actually a, a bathroom and a kitchen living room. And we paid $35 a month, which you can't get that anymore. But we that's all we could afford. Uh, we didn't have a fancy car. We didn't have, you know, all the expensive electronics that you're accustomed to. You can live without that. So I'm going to stop and pitch it to Bruce. That's my first try at responding to the practical. Well, Sandy, I'm with you. I... I'm very torn on how to react to this young lady. There's a part of me that is thinking, stop being a snowflake. But there's a part of me, when I listen to her voice and look at her in the video, I have empathy or sympathy for her. And I think a big problem for young people right now is there is a collision of the way the workplace and living life have been um, bent from what we grew up with. When we grew up, uh, you know what that uh, what the guy in the video was making fun of, uh, saying, "Oh, you're chasing things. Uh, there is no, there's nothing to chase." Things like that, making fun of it. That was not how we were brought up. We were brought up that you there is a progression. You take an entry level job because you don't have many skills. You acquire skills and abilities, knowledge, and then you seek a promotion. Along with the promotion, you're hoping that you get an increase in your salary. And then you either stay in that track or you start to um, make yourself more suited to another job. Or equip yourself for a better position, yeah. take you, outside and, and schooling you, or whatever. Yeah, you get it, you get it, you move on to something else. And the expectations of how you lived, I think, were much less than uh, you didn't go out saying, Look, I deserve a two-bedroom apartment. I deserve time with my friends. Expensive phone. Uh, expensive phone. And hey, listen, we, we didn't grow up poor you know let's not let's not exaggerate it no but at the same time this is a product of we have really grown up um, in prosperous times for the most part and to our children we have spoiled them we have accustomed them to having everything they want for the most part and yeah let me interject it so they think they think they should have a house like mom and dad a car like mom and dad, a phone like mom and dad, because mom and dad have made their kids equals right. and have indulged them and never set about those those goals or their standards. Of like, you're not ready for that yet, or you don't need that yet. They've had everything. And this is, for parents, this is what you're doing to your kids. This is what you're doing to your children. You're creating expectations that they cannot ever meet, especially not in this economy and during these times. Yeah, it- there, the, the concept of a deferred expectation basically no longer exists. No. Um, you, you find that um, when you talk to HR people, they will tell you that uh, kids either walking out of high school or with a, um, a bachelor's degree, and it may be a degree in something that is not that marketable. We have a lot of, I would call them, I hate to say useless degrees, but a lot of degrees that either there are too many of them out there or they just don't apply to the workplace. And they come in and they expect the world uh, on their very first job. And it, I can see why this young lady is so torn, because if you do the math on what her salary is of $2,000 a month, if you're working 40 hours a week, that's a $12.50 an hour job. And then you take taxes out of there and her rent. And, you know, there is nothing really much... Uh, to play with other than that. And we've been brought up to believe that 
we should be able to uh, uh, do things outside of work rather than, and work is sort of a supplement to having fun now, whereas uh, it used to be the reverse. Is uh, Fun was sort of a byproduct of yes. making a living. An unexpected joy yeah. that you didn't yeah. get very often. At least in my house, we certainly didn't have a lot of fun. We didn't think about having that. We thought about doing our work and keeping, you know, being responsible. And it's just, you know, I think about uh, part of this, and I touched on it, comes from this parental indulgence. And I, I want to say this again. Moms and dads, you have to prepare your kids in a different way. You know, it, even if you have to live uh, with a little bit less, or you need to tell them, you know, this is, uh, dad has worked hard. My mother used to say that to me all the time. Honey, your dad works so hard. Here's our check. No, we can't do that because we only have this and this and this. And daddy works tar- too hard. And if you want that, that means he has to work this much time to pay for that. And my mother used to say that to me. Yeah, you know, a lot of families, unfortunately, dad has become somewhat of a joke. I mean, we, you know, dad's just there to work and provide the children with things. That's not how God ordered the family. No. The father is to be respected. And, you know, uh, if you want to get into a, a philosophical or a, a, a more broad uh, look at this thing, I think a lot of this is also driven by immigra- uh, illegal immigration because the the progression used to be there were many, many entry-level jobs, but you were not meant to stay in those jobs. They were low-paying. You got your knowledge and your skills, and then you, as we talked about earlier, then you advanced. Like like let's give it, like at McDonald's yeah. used to be entry level. You used to work in a book factory, right? I did. I worked in a book factory. I worked at a restaurant, and I worked at a steel mill. And every one of them helped prepare me for things down the road. But, but they, I, you could, but have I lived could on them. not have stayed there. Oh. And see, that's the problem. We have many jobs now that you know. There's this big cry that we have to have a minimum wage, and and a lot of it is starting to go to twenty dollars an hour, twenty five dollars an hour. Now the problem with that is that's just enough money for a lot of people to stay there forever. Um, you know, you come to this country as an illegal immigrant, and you're not used to having a very high standard of living. Those people are sucking up those jobs, and. What's happening is there's a there's a scarcity of a lot of these entry level jobs for kids of families that are are born here, and you know so they're being displaced. Yeah, and yeah, and I think the black community is finding that out too. They're being displaced uh, on some jobs that they would have uh, in the past would have been a lifeline for families. The other pro- the other problem here that we haven't mentioned is inflation. Because of Biden's policies, and yes, I'm making this political, because of Biden's policies, because of his erratic, out-of-control spending, a lot of it to Ukraine, uh, a lot of it on wasted COVID money given out that's still being spent, uh, illegal immigrants are sucking up a lot of those tax dollars, providing housing for them and hotels and giving them phones and, uh, you know, all of that. And there are uh, uh, the military, the military-industrial complex is sucking up, up a lot of that, too, in these huge bills, and that's causing the dollar to have less value, and it's causing prices to skyrocket. You know, if you want to uh, look at this from a basic standpoint that everyone can understand is think about a pizza, going to a pizza parlor and buying a pizza. A standard price used to be, say, $15. 
Well, when you go in there now, it's $20. Now, you may say, well, that's only $5. But think about that. That's a 33% increase. And it's not just happening with pizzas. It's happening with all kinds of, of goods. Go to the grocery store. Look at what things cost. Go buy some butter and look at what it costs. We've paid $8 for a four-pack of butter. I mean, that's two years ago, it was probably $3. And gasoline. Gasoline. They've shut down any kind of drilling, and so our gas prices skyrocketed. They're coming back now because there's an election this year, and Joe Biden is trying to, you know, he knows if gas gasoline prices skyrocket, he will be yeah. in worse trouble than he is already uh, in. But this little uh, girl's being affected by that, too. Yeah. and uh, She doesn't realize it. You know, diesel fuel is now up over $4 a gallon, well over $4 a gallon most places, uh, much higher in some areas. Every Almost every good that you buy off the, the uh, shelf is probably transported in some way, either by a truck or a motor vehicle that runs on gas or diesel fuel. Now, you start raising that price. You know, the, the gas is up almost twice of what it was when Donald Trump went out of office. I have a receipt from the day he was elected or quote unquote was beaten and it was a dollar 87 a gallon now the other day i paid 325 so you do the math it's almost twice as much now i'm not trying to make this political but what i'm trying to do is show you from an economic standpoint you factor in just that just the cost to move that good let alone here's another thing that people want to turn their back on but Think about the huge amount of theft that's going on in this country. That's right. Now, that is not a victimless crime. We are all victims of those crimes. You know, when, when I mean, stores are closing, or if you walk in, say, drugstores in San Francisco, there is nothing on the shelf. Well, and- nothing. You have to ask for every single thing because if they leave it out on the shelf, it'll be stolen. And guess what? If it's stolen... No one will do anything about it. The well, prosecutor won't prosecute. The store won't back you up if you're an employee and you chase one of these thieves out. It's And that cost is being uh, siphoned onto us. Well, and so to make that plainer, I hope, uh, retailers are having to increase prices. Everything is having to increase because they got to cover the law, the theft. They have a bottom line, and that's why – and landlords – uh, they have to take care of their families, so they have to. They're paying higher prices, so they're jacking up rents. It's a vicious cycle, and that is a lot about what's happening to this young girl. And for that, this is the this is the mess. This is a taste of the mess we are leaving our children. But I want to go back to something else. Our son Jeremy told us when we were in Vancouver a year or so ago, Bruce said. The young people that he ministers to in his congregation are in despair. A lot of depression. They feel hopeless because there's, they, they'll never own a home. They'll never be able to get ahead. Of course, Vancouver is more expensive than it is here. It's ridiculous. But I, my, as I'm reading, you know, the suicide rate, uh, for instance, among uh, Gen Xers is of the deaths among Gen Xers, 18% of them are suicides. There's wow. despair and depression. And part of that, also is also political. It's an issue, but it's being used politically, and that is this stuff our kids are being taught in school about global warming. Remember Greta, whatever her little Thurnberg. name was, Thurnberg, <laughs> was saying you, it, we're, it, the earth will be destroyed in 12 years. 
This is, these are the kinds of things, and these kids are being told that as though that's a fact. And so they, they are depressed. This little girl, as much as anything, Bruce, I think she's depressed, and that's why working seems overwhelming to her, and she's probably not efficient, slowing down, because she's depressed. Well, Sandy, think about what happened during COVID. I don't think we'll ever be able to quantify the detriment, the damage that we caused, especially to children. Children need to look people in the face. They need to know their love. They need to see your expressions. And when you're looking at they've got a mask on and you have a mask on, it just it takes away all the intimacy. It takes away the trust, the love. And, um, and so I, does social media. Yeah. And, and being yelled at if you take your mask yeah. down. Yeah. Um, and, and social media, let's not forget that. You know, I think given our backgrounds, when we heard this tape, our first reaction would be, oh, please, get a life, quit complaining, grow up. But that's not fair to this young lady. We don't know what her education is. We don't know what her family circumstances have been. And there are a lot of problems right now, uh, either perceived or real, on entering the workforce. So one last thing, one last point that is probably the most important point. Uh, in uh, uh, with healthy gamer GG, he said life has. They're right to be depressed. Life has no meaning. That's what he said. Uh, she said when she was talking that I don't get a day off. I'm working seven days a week because I have to do my my homework, my other things on the weekend. I'm working seven days a week. I'm not made for this. And to that, I would say to her, and to all of you, no, you were not made for seven days a week, because there is a God who created us, I wish I could say this to this young girl. You are created for work. Work is good. Work gives us a sense of purpose. It gives us a sense of identity. Uh, It helps us mark time, spend our days well. It keeps us from indulgences and uh, self-reflection. It makes It's good. Work is good. God gave us work because it's good. You are made for work. You're not made for seven days of work. Why do I say that? Because God himself, in his creation and design, created the seventh day for rest. But not just rest. Yes, rest from work, rest. Not just that, but reflecting and communing with him in a devoted way on that seventh day. Because without God, life doesn't have any meaning. Healthy gamer Gigi is right. God brings meaning. He gives purpose. He brings order to your life. Uh, he brings mental health. It restores your soul. And that's what I think this little one, this little girl is expressing. She needs to know about God. And if she could order her mind, if God could help order her mind, her energy could return. And she could take a day off. I bet she would be more efficient. She could have a day off, a day of rest to reflect. Uh, I would say to her, don't stop working. No, for heaven's sake, don't stop working. That's one of the worst things for people because that's what brings depression. And so that's kind of how I would, uh, I would talk to her if she were my daughter or granddaughter. I wish I could. All right, well, I hope that this has uh, been a helpful discussion for you. I wish you could have joined it. I do. You know that you can always call us at 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. And leave a voice message, and we will listen and respond to it, and maybe sometimes on air. 
Uh, and you can e- email us at sandy at afr.net, or you can go to sandyrios.com. That's a place where you can listen to the podcast. You can sign up for the mailing list. Um, you can also order the book, uh, A God's Velvet Hammer. So we've tried to make it easy for you. You can go to afr.net. That's our uh, podcast home, americanfamilyradio.net. Or you can go to any podcast platform and find Sandy Rios 24-7. We want to thank Preborn for being our wonderful sponsor. We are hand and heart with what they are doing to save babies through ultrasound. Go to preborn.com slash Sandy to make your most generous donation. And from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for listening to this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7.